Amen. Would y'all pray with me this morning? God, it's by your spirit and by your power that we are able to stand. It's by your presence uh, that we are made whole and that we are redeemed. So God, be with us this morning. Open up your word to us. This we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. You guys can be seated. So I've got a question for you. Um, It is January the 18th, right? Um, And I want to ask you, how is it with your New Year's resolutions? Some of you laughed. That's awesome. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it the same as it ever was? It's the same, right? Some of you some of you were like, yeah, I did the New Year's resolution thing for like 14 days, and now it's day 18, and I'm done, right? Um, I'm going to start again sometime next year on my New Year's resolution. Well, um, Back in May, uh, Bill and I were talking about uh, what we were going to talk about uh, when, when January came around. We were, we were planning and, and getting ahead, and um, we thought we would start the year by talking about New Year's resolutions because we all do this. We all make these promises, and you've heard me talk about New Year's resolutions and how they're good for about 14 days or 17 days, and today is your first day of, of not fulfilling your New Year's resolution because it just gets to be too hard to do on your own. So we thought um, way back in May, we were like, We'll do a series on resolutions and keeping your resolutions um, because what you want to become, what your resolution points to, is the kind of person that you want to be, the the kind of person that you want to become, not only in in your life, but in your faith and in your finances, in your marriage and your relationships. We'll We'll do a series on resolutions and the vision that you have for your life. And then we we took a step back because we we prayed about it and we thought, you know. You know, that, that was a good idea. But really what God seems to be leading us toward is what is God's vision for our church? You know, every year we sort of re-envision who we are as individuals. But when was the last time that you thought about who we are as a church? When was the last time that we ever together considered what kind of church it is that we want to be? You know, we, we get into the habit and the pattern of doing church week after week after week after week after week. And it's great because you're here and I'm here and we see each other and we shake hands and we high five and we fist bump. And, you know, you fill out a connection card, hopefully, and maybe even check in on Facebook. You do all of these great things week after week after week. But have you ever considered what the whole point of all of this is besides having a pattern and a habit to your life? You ever considered what the overarching vision for our church should be or is? Does anybody know what the vision is for our church? Buck got it in the back. Buck got it in the back. Did you hear him? So the vision for Pittman Park is to make faithful followers for Jesus Christ. Can you say that for me this morning? Make faithful followers of Jesus Christ. That was great. No, it wasn't at all. That was like vanilla pudding. You ever have vanilla pudding? You know, whenever you're standing in lunch line in third grade and they're like, hey, dessert today, vanilla pudding. Everybody's like, I couldn't get chocolate? (laughs) No flavor to that. All right. Give me a chocolate pudding response, all right? So here's what we're going to say it together. The vision of Pittman Park is to make faithful followers of Jesus Christ. That's the kind of church we want to be. And everybody goes, yeah, we want to be that kind of church that makes faithful followers of Jesus Christ because that's what the Bible says we should be doing. And it's going to be great because that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do that. But next Sunday, you know, I really like the way we do worship and I hope nothing changes. 
right? If we're going to be a church that makes faithful followers of Jesus Christ, it, it means that some things are going to have to change, right? Like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results, right? If we want to be a church that makes faithful followers of Jesus Christ, then some things are going to have to change. Some things are going to have to be different. And so over the course of the next five weeks, we're going to talk about five practices that can help us begin to live into that vision of making faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Begin living into that vision of the church that we really want to be, not the church that we kind of are, you know? Because if we're honest with ourselves and we look around, sometimes we have to admit that we're kind of like vanilla pudding, you know? Nobody's getting real excited. Nobody's real fired up. Nobody's really invested. So what we want to do is to become a church that lives out its vision on a day-to-day basis in some dynamic and some powerful ways. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Romans uh, chapter 15, verses 1 to 7, for our first, our first practice um, of a fruitful congregation, which is what we're going to become. We're going to become a fruitful congregation, a congregation that bears fruit for the kingdom of God. And Romans 15 points us toward the first practice of a fruitful congregation. Um, and that practice is radical hospitality. Now, if you have your bulletin with you this morning and you should have a pen in front of you, I want you to open up that bulletin and where it says becoming radical, next to that right at hospitality, okay? Just in case, you know, the NSA is looking or something. We don't want to create a bunch of radicals. We want to become radical at hospitality, okay? We want to become radical at hospitality. And you're thinking, well, that, that sounds kind of lame because the last time I checked out hospitality, it was at an all-you-can-eat buffet and Right? Is that what you think of when you think of hospitality? No, that's what I think of. When I'm driving down the road and I think hospitality, all I see is a pineapple. Have you ever seen a pineapple? You ever notice that at all the all-you-can-eat buffets, there's always a pineapple on the sign? Like that's supposed to entice you in? A pineapple is a sign of hospitality and a sign of welcome. That's why you see them on all-you-can-eat buffets all the time is because it's a sign to say that you are welcome here to eat as much as you possibly can fit inside of yourself. You are welcome in this place. We're only going to charge you $29.95 for the meal. You are welcome, right? Um, That's what I think of when I think of hospitality, this sort of, yeah, we're glad you're here. Eat the food. Don't take too long. But radical hospitality is something that's very different, and that's what we're going to be considering this morning. So look with me uh, at Romans 15, 1 to 7, and we're going to be reading through the message um, translation this morning. This is what Paul writes in Romans 15 concerning um, hospitality. He says this, Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter, and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waded right in, right into their troubles and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way scripture puts it. Even if it was written in scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm, personal counsel in scripture to come to characterize us. Keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. 
May our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus got along with us all. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives, singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to God the Father of our Master Jesus. So reach out. Underline this. Highlight it. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. You can put a little parenthesis there for you. Now you do it. Jesus did it. Now you do it. So this morning we're talking about hospitality. And again, that's a friendly word, right? Conjures up images of all-you-can-eat buffets and pineapples. Um, It conjures up all sorts of warm vanilla pudding um, in our minds. It's kind of boring. But hospitality um, is a very important part of what it means to be the church. Hospitality, and when you partner radical with it, radical hospitality is about opening up the doors of our church, the doors of the life of the church, the doors of our community of faith to everyone, okay? Churches get this stuff wrong all the time because we believe that the church exists for us, those of us who are in it, we think that the church is a place where we come in and, and, and we pay our dues each month or each week. Um, and because of that, we get a service in return. But that's not how the church works, y'all. That's not how the body of Christ is designed to work. In fact, the body of Christ, the church, is the only institution in the world that exists for the benefit of those who, not, who are not its members. The church doesn't exist for your benefit if you are sitting here in this room. The church exists for those people who are out there who have no clue about what's happening in here and the God that we serve. Our church doesn't exist for us. It exists for the world. It doesn't exist for us. It exists for the world. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor right now. Look at him deeply in the eye. Okay. Girls, you got to participate here. Okay, look at each other deeply in the eyes and say, get over yourself. Okay, okay. And I'm going to say it to all of you as well. Hey, 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 listen up. Listen up. Get over yourself. We're not here for you. We're here for the world. We're here for the lost and the broken and the hurting and the destitute and the poor and those who've been just run over and crushed by life. That's who the church exists for. If you're here today, you're doing all right. And if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, that means that you've taken up the mission of going out into the world to spread the good news that God left heaven and came to dwell with us so that we might have life through his death and resurrection. That's what we're to be about. If you're here to collect benefits, there are none coming your way. They're just not there. In fact, we might even ask you to volunteer to be a part of a committee, which is really boring, um, if you join, become a member of this church. But the reason we have committees and the reason we have teams is so that we can keep our focus out there and not in here. Because churches are really good at navel-gazing. We're really good at looking at ourselves and catering to our, our own needs, catering to our own interests, catering to our own style and our own preferences instead of reaching out to a world 
that is lost and broken. Hospitality is related to the word hospital and hospice. Hospitality, radical hospitality, is a way that we care for people who are hurting, people who need help, people who are stuck and sick in their sin. It's a way that we offer rest and we offer peace and we offer comfort and we offer love to the world on behalf of Jesus Christ. Radical hospitality. Radical hospitality isn't just about shaking people's hands when they walk in the door. It's about walking outside of these doors and meeting people right where they are in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their brokenness, just like Christ met you. That's what radical hospitality is all about. Now, some of you are like, that's great, and I'm fired up about it, but how in the world do we do that? Well, the first thing we have to do is remember what Paul says, and that is that strength is for service, not status. You can write that down in your notes, that strength is for service and not status. If you've been here in the church for a while and you've taken like 78 Bible studies um, and, and you've been on a mission trip and, and you have done um, all kinds of classes and courses and, and you're a regular at Wednesday night supper, um, you are strong in your faith. You have a lot of knowledge. You have a lot of authority. You have a lot that you can share with the world. You taking those classes and courses isn't about you building yourself up. It's actually about you getting the tools you need to meet people where they are out in the world just like Christ met you. Strength is for service, not for status. In other words, God isn't working to build you up so you can be the biggest and best church member. There are no crowns in heaven for the, being the best church member. Okay? God's not building you up so you can have status. No, God is building you up so that you can serve, so that you can reach out, so that you can make a difference in the lives of people all around you. Instead of asking, what can I get from my church? We need to be asking, how can I help my church? How can I help Pittman Park reach out to people all around us who are far from God? How can I help welcome them into this place and into this, into this community? And I'm glad you asked that question this morning because there's three things I want to share with you. Three ways that you can begin doing just that. Three ways that you can begin reaching out to people who are far from God but very near to you because you would be surprised at how many people are truly far to God but are very near to you. So here's three things. Number one, the first thing that you can do to practice radical hospitality and to reach out to those who are near to you, who may be far from God, is to share what God is doing in your life and through your church. Now you hear the word share and you might freak out a little bit like we're going to hand you a bunch of tracks at the end of the service and ask you to pass those out around your office place or leave one as a tip for your waiter whenever you eat lunch today. Please don't ever do that. Leave real money. It's a better witness. Okay? <laughs> Don't freak out. When I say share, all I'm saying is talk about what God's doing in your life. Talk about the peace that you've come to find through your relationship with Jesus Christ. Talk about the good things that are happening at the church. Our, our jamming kids ministry that's just rocking along right now with Haley uh, leading and, and guiding and strengthening those children. 
talk about the men's group that you're a part of that meets on, on Mondays to eat grilled cheese sandwiches and talk about the intersection of life and faith. Talk about whatever group it is that you're a part of and what you got out of the study. It doesn't have to be some big theological insight. Just talk about how what you heard was the word that you needed to hear this week. Sharing is not about some major enterprise. It's just talking. It's just talking about what God is doing in your life and here in the church. That's the first thing. Share what God is doing in your life and in the church. The second thing you can do to reach out to the world with radical hospitality that you can do to reach out to those who are far from God but maybe near to you is invite your friends, your neighbors, the people you meet to come and experience for themselves what God is doing here at Pittman Park. To come and experience for themselves firsthand what God is doing. You could say something like, hey, you know I've been talking about that Bible study that I've been, I've been a part of for like eight weeks now. Well, um, we're going to keep going and I want to invite you to be a part of that. Do you, do you have some free time Wednesday night? I can pick you up. We invite people to stuff all the time. We really do. I can invite you to all kinds of Christmas parties back in December. Did any of you get invited to Christmas parties? We all got invited to Christmas parties, right? It's not hard to invite. Just asking somebody, hey, I'm going to do this. You want to come along with me? Hey, I'm, I'm going out to dinner tonight with some, some friends from my small group. You want to come and be a part of that? Do you know what the biggest hurdle for people coming to church is? The thing that keeps people away from the church the most is the fact that they're not ever invited. 88% of people who don't go to church say they would go if they were just invited. Man, we mess up day in and day out when we talk about how great our life groups are, how great our Sunday school class is, how great the Wednesday night supper program is, or the Bible study that we're a part of is, and we never say, hey, do you want to be a part? You can become a leader. You can become a leader in your life and your faith by just extending that invitation. Hey, do you want to come and be a part of what's happening here? Because the truth is, Pittman Park will not grow because I preach here every week or because Bill preaches here every week. The only way this church will grow and become the church that God desires for us to be is by you inviting people who are around you to come and be a part. I can preach great sermons, but if it's only the same people hearing them week in and week out, nothing's going to change. You've got to invite. You've got to share. And there's one more thing that you have to do, we have to do, when it comes to extending radical hospitality to those who are near to us but possibly far from God, and that is to welcome them. Now, um, when you come into the church on Sunday mornings, um, there is somebody who's standing at the door, um, a member of the grace team that shakes your hand or hands you a bulletin or says, we're glad you're here, right? You, have you experienced this? Yeah, you've experienced this before. Somebody says, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for coming. Have a seat. Uh, service is going to start in just a few minutes. You've all experienced this. I'm hoping that you've all experienced this. Um, hopefully this Sunday you experience this. Um, that is one way that we welcome people. But um, I'm going to give you an example. Um, Kate, can you help me out this morning? Can you come help me out? 
Hey, Kate, welcome to the stage. Come on up. Welcome to the stage, Kate. Um, we are so glad that you're here today. Thanks for coming. Um, welcome to the stage. Um, there's going to be communion in a minute, and so that's right here. Um, the bathrooms are out and around the hall. Thanks for coming here. Well, um, now that, no, 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 you're not, no, 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 you're here. You're here. You're part, you're a demonstration. You're, you're a part here. Thanks for being here. We're, we're glad that you're here. Now, I've got to go back to preaching my sermon. Is that cool? So you just chill out here, and I'm going to do my sermon thing, and you're okay? Okay, just hang out right there. Okay. All right, so um, as I get back to my sermon, I just wanted to tell you that um, it's, it's so great that we welcome people, and we make them feel warm and at home. Kate, do you feel warm and at home up on the stage? No, you don't, do you? You can go and sit back down. You don't. This is what we do in church all of Thank you, Kate. This is what we do in church all the time. We, we catch you at the door and we say, it's so, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Here's a bulletin. The bathrooms are down the hallway. The service is going to start in just a few minutes. Now leave me alone because I've got to get back to shaking people's hands. Or leave me alone because I've got to pay attention to whatever funny thing Jonathan's not going to say this morning. You know, we, we do this, don't we? We don't actually warmly welcome people into our worship service and say things like, hey, I'm so glad you're here with me. This you're here with us this morning. Do you want to come and have a seat by me and my family? We'd love for you to sit beside us. We don't extend real hospitality, do we? We shake people's hands and welcome them. But are we going the extra mile to make sure that people feel the warm embrace of Christ when they enter into this worship space, when they enter into this moment, or are we just putting up with them and putting up with their presence? Until they don't bother us anymore. Are we actually extending radical hospitality? Are we actually welcoming people? How about this? Some of you may have had this experience. Have you ever been to a church where you show up and nobody talks to you? I'll admit, I was a guest preacher um, at a church uh, one time that shall go nameless. Um, and I walked into the church um, and I was obviously the person that, well, I was obviously a new person. But it wasn't until the preacher came up and said hello to me, you know, 15 or 20 minutes after I'd been walking through the doors and trying to meet people that anyone said anything to me. I don't want us to be that kind of a church that says, oh, it's great that you're here, but don't bother us. Oh, it's, we're glad that you're here, but, but, but don't interfere in anything. I want to be a church that genuinely, I want us to be a church that genuinely welcomes people into the embrace of God. And if we're going to do that, then some things are going to have to change, y'all. Some things are going to have to change. One of those things that's going to have to change is your level of commitment as a member. I'm going to ask you to do this, members. If you will, raise your hand. Just raise your hand if you're a member of Pittman Park. Raise it, raise it high. Um, we're going to have some people joining us later on. They'll, they'll raise their hands when I ask for you next week. If you're a member of Pittman Park, one of the things that you've agreed to do is to uphold the ministry of the church by your service. Not your status, but by your service. I want to invite you to sign up for the Grace Team so that you can genuinely welcome people into worship week after week. Not just with a handshake, but with a real welcome that says we value you as an individual, as a child of God, 
as one who is uniquely created and gifted by God for God's purpose and for God's plan. That's true hospitality. And if you're a member of this church, we need you. God needs you to welcome his children who are of exponential worth into this place so that they can experience his love and his grace maybe for the first time ever in their life. This is big stuff. We need your service to become the church that God would have us be, not your status. This morning, we're going to move toward a time of of Holy Communion, and um, I recognize that flu season is still in effect, so I'm going to wash my hands real quick. Um, But as we come to this time of Holy Communion, I want to remind you that um, this table... This table is a table that all people are invited to. You don't have to be a member. Um, You don't have to make any kind of pledge or anything to come to this table because this is a table of grace, a table where all are accepted and all are encouraged to come and know the God who left heaven and came to earth that we might have life. So this morning, Christ invites you to this table. And I want to remind you that on the night in which Christ gave himself up for us, he gathered his closest disciples around him and he took bread. He gave thanks to God. He broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was coming to a close, he took the cup, gave thanks to God again, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, drink, this is my blood of a new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of how Christ graciously invited us and welcomed us into God's presence, we are humbled and we are honored to receive this meal. This means of grace, this means of experiencing God's love firsthand. Lord, pour out your spirit on us gathered here. Pour out your spirit on these gifts of bread and wine and make them be for, for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. This meal is a reminder that church isn't about us, but it's about the one who gave his life, that the world might know the incredible love of God. Would those who are coming to serve this morning come forward?